please be aware the stories, theories, reenactments, and language in this podcast are of an adult nature and can be considered disturbing, frightening, and in some cases offensive. Listener discretion is therefore advised. Hey, there is very adult content ahead, and you know what? You've been warned. Welcome, heathens. Welcome to the world of the weird and unexplained. As always, I am your host, Nicole Delacroix, and together we will be investigating stories about the weird, wonderful, unexplained, eerie, scary, and downright unbelievable. There will be tales of ghosts, murder, supernatural beings, and unexplained mysteries. So, sit back grab your favorite drink, relax, and prepare to be transported to today's Dark Enigma. And on today's Dark Enigma, well, we're coming to the tail end of our Witchtober. I know it's so sad. I'm crying. No, I'm not. And I know that you guys are looking forward to the story of the Salem Witch Trials, and I promise we will get to them. For today's episode, though, we are going to be looking at an earlier witch trial to kind of, well, set the mood and to show that the hysteria that was building not only in the Americas with Salem, but in so many other places as well. As always, we will be playing our drinking game. And as you know, the drinking game is only for those of us that are at home and have nowhere else to go tonight. That's right. Leave your broomsticks because you're not allowed to drive. I will, of course, leave the choice of your witchy brew up to you, so choose your poison accordingly. All right, now for the game part, and I have to say it's going to be a long one this time, so settle in and make sure you got a big drink this time. All right, for the game part, how about every time I say Lancashire... That's going to be a single shot, and every time I say Pendle, that will be a double shot. So if you're not deeply devoted to everything historical and witchy-poo like I am, then you may not be aware there was a much more famous witch trial before Salem. And that's right, guys. Today, we're going to be covering it. So now that we have our business end out of the way, we can jump headfirst into today's dark enigma and the story of the Pendle Witch Trials of 1612. All right, my darlings, let's jump into it, my heathens. During the 16th century, whole districts in some parts of Lancashire seemed contaminated with the presence of witches. Men and beasts were supposed to languish under their charms, and the delusion which preyed alike on the learned and the vulgar did not allow any family to suppose that they were beyond the reach of the witch's power. Was the family visited by a sickness? It was believed to be the work of an invisible agent, which in secret wasted an image made in clay before the fire, or crumbled its various parts into dust. Did the cattle sicken and die? The witch and the wizard were the authors of that calamity. Did the yeast refuse to ferment, either in the bread or the beer? Now that is just a party foul right there. But it was the consequence of a bad wish. Did the butter refuse to churn? 
the familiar was in the churn. Did the ship founder at sea? The gale or hurricane was blown by the lungless hag who had scarcely sufficient breath to cool her own porridge. Did the river ribble overflow its banks? The floods descended from the congregated sisterhood at Malkin Tower. The blight of the season, which consigned the crops of the farmer to destruction, was the saliva of the enchantress, or distillations from the blear-eyed dame who flew by night over the field on mischief bent. See, now, if I could cackle, I would cackle right here at that point, because that would be so appropriate. Anyways, I can't cackle, so, you know, insert cackle in your mind. At the court of Lancaster, in the autumn of 1612, twenty persons, of whom sixteen were women of various ages, were committed for trial, and most of them tried for witchcraft. Elizabeth Southerns, whose alias became Dimdike, she was a very old woman, about the age of fourscore years, and had been a witch for more than fifty years. She dwelt in the forest of Pendle, a vast place fit for her profession. What she committed in her time, no man knows. Thus lived she securely for many years, brought up her own children, instructed her grandchildren, and took great care and pains to bring them up to be witches. She was a general agent for the devil in all of these parts. No man escaped her or her furies that ever gave them any occasion of offense or denied them anything they stood in need of. And certain it is, no man near them was secure or free from danger. The substance of the examinations of the so-called witches and others may be given as follows. Old Dimdike persuaded her daughter, Elizabeth Device, to sell herself to the devil, which she did and in turn initiated her daughter, Alison Device, in these infernal arts. Amongst the rest of the voluntary confessions made by the witches, that of Dame Dendike is preserved. She confessed that about twenty years hence, as she was coming home from begging, she was met near Goldshe in the forest of Pendle by a spirit of devil in the shape of a boy, the one half of his coat black and the other half brown, who told her to stop and said that if she were to give him her soul, she would have anything she wished for. She asked his name and was told only Tib. She consented from the hope of gain to give him her soul. For several years she had no occasion to make any application to her evil spirit, but one Sunday morning, having a little child upon her knee, and she being in a slumber, the spirit appeared to be in the likeness of a brown dog and forced himself upon her knee, and began to suck blood under her left arm, on which she exclaimed, Jesus, save me! And the brown dog vanished, leaving her almost stark mad for eight weeks. On another occasion, she was led, being blind, to the house of Richard Baldwin, to obtain payment for the services her daughter had performed at his mill. 
when Baldwin fell into a passion and bid them to get off his ground, calling them whores and witches, and saying he would burn the one and hang the other. On this, Tib appeared, and they concerted matters to revenge themselves on Baldwin. How is not stated. Also arrested and on trial were Elizabeth Device, daughter of Demdike, who was branded with a preposterous mark in nature, even from her birth, which was her left eye, standing lower than the other, the one looking down and the other looking up, so strangely deformed. James Device, son of Elizabeth, and Alice Device, daughter of Elizabeth. Against Elizabeth Device, the testimony of her own daughter, Janet, a child nine years of age, was received, and the way in which her evidence was given, instead of filling the court with horror, seems to have excited their applause and admiration. Her familiar had the form of a dog and was called Ball, and by his agency she bewitched to death John and James Robinson and James Mitten the first having called her a strumpet, and the last having refused to give old Dimdike a penny when she asked him for charity. To render her daughter proficient in the art, the prisoner taught her two prayers, by one of which she cured the bewitched, and by the other procured drink. James Device was convicted principally on the evidence of his child sister Janet, of bewitching and killing Miss Anne Townley, the wife of Mr. Henry Townley, by means of a picture of clay, and both he and his sister were witnesses against their mother. This wizard, James, whose spirit was called Dandy, is described as a poor, decrepit boy, apparently of weak intellect, and so infirm that it was found necessary to hold him up in court on his trial. Then there was Anne Whittle, whose alias was Chaddix. This Anne Whittle was a very old, withered, spent, and decrepit creature, her sight almost gone. A dangerous witch, a very long continuance, always opposite to old Demdike, for, one the, for whom the one favored, the other hated deadly, and how they envy and accuse one another in their examinations may appear. In her witchcraft, always more ready to do mischief to men's goods than themselves. Her lips ever chattering and walking, but no man knew what. She lived in the forest of Pendle, amongst this wicked company of dangerous witches. The first person arraigned before Sir Edward Bromley, who presided in the criminal court, was Anne Whittle, known as Chaddix. Her abode was in the forest of Pendle, Amongst the company of other witches, where the woolen trade was carried on, she having been in her younger days a wool carter. She was indicted for having exercised various wicked and devilish arts called witchcrafts, enchantments, charms, and sorceries upon one Robert Nutter of Greenhead, in the forest of Pendle, and without having by force thereof feloniously killed him. Oh, I like that word, feloniously. I'm going to use that more often. Feloniously. It's a sexy word. 
To establish this charge, her own examination was read, from which it appeared that fourteen or fifteen years prior, a thing like a Christian man had importuned her to sell her soul to the devil, and that she had done so, giving to her familiar the name of Fancy. On account of an insult offered to her daughter, Anne Redfern, by Robert Nutter, the two conspired to place a bad wish upon Nutter, of which he died. If wishing was only true, boy, there'd be a lot of dead people in my wake. Anyways, it was further deposed against her that John Device had agreed to give old Chaddix a dole of meal yearly if she would not hurt him, and that when he ceased to make this annual tribute, he took to his bed and died. She was further charged with having bewitched the drink of John Moore, and also with having, without using the churn, produced a quantity of butter from a dish of skimmed milk. In the face of this evidence, and no longer anxious about her own life, she acknowledged her guilt, but humbly prayed the judges to be merciful to her daughter, Anne Redfern. But her prayer was in vain. Listed as witches as well were Anne Redfern, daughter of Chaddix, Alice Nutter, Jane Bullcook, John Bullcook, son of Jane Bullcook, Catherine Hewitt, alias Moldhills, Isabel Robbie, and Margaret Pearson. Now, Margaret Pearson was tried first for murder by witchcraft, second for bewitching a neighbor, third for bewitching a horse, and being acquitted of the two former charges, was sentenced for the last to stand upon the pillory in the markets of Clitheroe, Pittenham, Cold, and Lancaster for four successive market days, with a printed paper upon her head stating her offense. These twelve persons named herein were styled Witches of Pendle Forest. The next eight were called the Witches of Samlesbury, and they were Janet Beerley, Ellen Beerley, the daughter of Janet, Jane Southworth, John Ramsden, Elizabeth Astley, Alice Gray, Isabel Sidegraves, and Lawrence Hay. The last four were discharged without trial. The sensation produced by these trials was immense, not only in this, but throughout neighboring counties, and Thomas Potts, the clerk of the court, was directed by the judges of the court, Sir Edward Bromley and Sir James Altham, to collect and publish the evidence and other documents connected with the trial under the revision of the judges themselves. The trials of these persons took place at the same court and before the same judge. Against Jane and Ellen Beerley and Jane Southworth, all of Samlesbury, charged with having bewitched Grace Sourbutts, yeah, that's her name, Sourbutts. Take that in, people, Sourbutts. <laughs> okay. The only material evidence was that of Grace Sourbutts herself, a girl of, well, immoral and vagrant habits, who swore that these women, one of them actually was her grandmother, did draw her by the hair of her head and lay her upon the top of a haymow and did take her senses and memory from her that they appeared to her sometimes in their own likeness and sometimes like a black dog. She declared that they by their arts had induced her to join their sisterhood, and that they were met from time to time by four black things going upright and yet not like men in the face, who conveyed them across the river Ribble, where they danced with them and carried on and, you know, had lots of fun. 
The prisoners were also charged with bewitching and slaying a child of Thomas Walsham's by placing a nail in its navel. And after its burial, they took up the corpse. When they ate part of the flesh and made an uncautious ointment by boiling the bones. This was more than even the capacious credulity of the judge and jury could even digest. The Samlesbury witches were therefore acquitted, and a seminary priest named Thompson, alias Southworth, was suspected by two of the county magistrates, the Reverend William Lee and Edward Chisnall, to whom the affair was afterwards referred, of having instigated sourbuds to make the charge, but this imputation was not supported by any satisfactory evidence. The wild and desolate parts of the parish of Wally furnished a fitting scene for witch assemblies, and it was alleged that such meetings were held at Malkin Tower in Pendle Forest within that parish. The justices of the peace in this part of the country, Roger Noel and Nicholas Bannister, having learned that Malkin Tower, the residence of old Demdike and her daughter, was the resort of the witches, ventured to arrest their head and another of her followers and to commit them to Lancaster Castle. When the old witch had been sent to Lancaster, a grand convocation of 17 witches and three wizards was held at Malkin Tower on Good Friday, at which it was determined to kill Mr. McCovell, the governor of the castle, and blow up the building to enable the witches to make their escape. The names of the witches at the Great Assembly and Feast at Malkin, Malkin Tower on Good Friday in 1612 were Elizabeth Device, Alice Nutter, Catherine Hewitt, also known as Moldhills, John Bulcock, Jane Bulcock, Alice Gray of Padaham, Janet Hargraves, Elizabeth Hargraves, Christopher Howgate, Christopher Hargraves, son of Dimdike, Grace Hay of Padaham, Anne Crunkshee of Marsden, Elizabeth Howgate, Janet Preston, executed at York for the murder of Mr. Lister. The other two objects of this convocation were to Christian the familiar of Alison Device, one of the witches in the castle, and also to bewitch and murder Mr. Lister, a gentleman of Westby in Craven, Yorkshire. The business being ended, the witches, in quitting the meeting, walked out of the barn, named Malkin Tower, in their proper shapes, but on reaching the door, each mounted his or her spirit, which, which was in the form of a young horse, and quickly vanished. Before the court, old Dimdike, worn out by age and trouble, died in prison. The others were brought to trial. Upon evidence of this kind, no fewer than ten of these unfortunate souls were found guilty at Lancaster, and sentenced to suffer death. Eight others were acquitted. Why? It's just not easy to see, for the evidence appears to have been equally strong, or rather equally weak and absurd, against them all. The ten persons sentenced and executed were Anne Whittle, known as Chaddix, Anne Redford, daughter of Chaddix, Elizabeth Device, daughter of Dempdyke, James Device, son of Elizabeth Device, Alison Device, daughter of Elizabeth Device, Alice Nutter, Jane Bullcock, John Bullcock, son of Jane, Catherine Hewitt, known as Moldhills, and Isabel Roby. They were executed at Lancaster on the 20th of August, 1612, for having bewitched to death 
by devilish practices and hellish means, no fewer than 16 inhabitants of the Forest of Pendle. These were Robert Nutter of Greenhead, Richard Asheton of Downham, a child of Richard Baldwin, John Device of Pendle, Anne Nutter of Pendle, a child of John Moore, Hugh Moore of Pendle, John Robinson, alias Sawyer, James Robison, Henry Mighton of Rough Lee, and Townley, wife of Henry Townley, John Duckworth, John Hargreaves of Goldshaw Booth, Blaze Hargreaves of Highgham, Christopher Nutter, Anne Folds near Clone, and John Law, a peddler, who was also bewitched so as to lose the use of his limbs by Allison device because he refused to give her some pins without money, and when requested to do so by her on his way from Colne. Allison Device herself was a beggar by profession, and the evidence sufficiently proved that Law's affliction was nothing more than what would now be termed paralysis of the lower extremities. Now that you know the story, we're going to dive into the actual confessions, and the first on our list of confessions is that of Demdike. On the 2nd of April, 1612, as recorded by Thomas Potts, in A Discovery of Witches, 1613. The said Elizabeth Southerns, alias Demdike, confesseth and saith that about twenty years past, as she was coming homeward from begging, there met her near unto a stone pit in Goldshee, in the said forest of Pendle, a spirit or devil in the shape of a boy, the one half of his coat black and the other brown, who bade her st- to stay, saying to her that if she would give him her soul, she should have anything that she would request. Dimdike's familiar called Tib, whereupon this examinant demanded his name, and the spirit answered his name was Tib, and so she in hope of such gain as was promised by the said devil or Tib, was contented to give her soul to the said spirit. And for the space of five or six years next after, the said spirit or devil appeared at sundry times unto her about daylight gate or dawn, always bidding her stay and asking her what she would have to do. To whom she replied, Nay, nothing, for she said she wanted nothing yet. And so about the end of the said six years, upon a Sabbath day in the morn, she having a child... a child upon her knee, and she being in a slumber, the said spirit appeared unto her in the likeness of a brown dog, forcing himself to her knee to get blood under her left arm. And she being without any apparel, saving her smock, the said devil did get blood under her left arm. And she awakening said, Jesus save my child, but had no power, nor could not say Jesus save herself. Whereupon the brown dog vanished out of her sight. After which she was almost stark mad for the space of eight weeks. For her revenge against Richard Baldwin, and upon her examination, she further confesseth and saith that a little before Christmas last, her daughter Elizabeth, having been to help Richard Baldwin's folks at the mill, her daughter did bid her go to the said Baldwin's house and ask him something for her helping of his folks at the mill, and in her going to the said Baldwin's house, and near to the said house, she met with the said Richard Baldwin, which Baldwin said to her, and the 
and the said Allison Device, who at the time led her, Dimdike being blind, Get out of my ground, whores and witches. I will burn the one of you and hang the other. To whom she answered, I care not for thee, hang thyself. Presently whereupon, at going over the next hedge, the said spirit or devil called Tib appeared unto her and said, Revenge thee of him. To whom she said again to the said spirit, Revenge thee either of him or his. And so the said spirit vanished out of her sight, and she never saw him since. And further she confesseth and saith, The speediest way to take a man's life away by witchcraft is to make a picture of clay, like unto the shape of the person whom they mean to kill, and dry it thoroughly. And when they would have them to be ill in any one place more than another, then take a thorn or pen, and prick it in that part of the picture you would so have to be ill. And when you would have any part of the body to consume away, then take that part of the picture and burn it. And when they would have the whole body to consume away, then take the remnant of the said picture and burn it, and so thereupon by that means the body shall die. The said Elizabeth Southerns, alias Dimdike, saith upon her examination that about half a year before Robert Nutter died, as she thinketh, she went to the house of Thomas Redfern, which was about midsummer, as she remembereth. And there within three yards of the east end of the said house, she saw the said Anne Whittle, alias Chaddocks, and Anne Redfern, wife of the said Thomas Redfern, and daughter of the said Anne Whittle, alias Chaddocks, the one on the one side of the ditch, and the other on the other, and two pictures of clay or marl lying by them, and the third picture the said Anne Whittle, alias Chaddocks, was making, and the said Anne Redfern, her, her said daughter, wrought her clay or maul to make the third picture withal. As she passing by them, the said spirit called Tib, in the shape of a black cat, appeared unto her and said, Turn back again and do as they do. To whom, she said, What are they doing? Whereunto the said spirit said, They are making three pictures. Whereupon she asked whose pictures they were. Whereunto the said spirit said, They are the pictures of Christopher Nutter, Robert Nutter, and Marie, wife of the said Robert Nutter. But she denied to go back to help them to make the pictures aforesaid, the said spirit seeming to be angry, therefore shove or pushed her into the ditch, and so shed the milk which she had in a can or kit. And so thereupon the spirit at that time vanished out of her sight. But presently after that, the said spirit appeared to her again in the shape of a hare, and so went with her about a quarter of a mile, but said nothing to her, nor she to it. And that's the end of her confession. And I know a lot of this is not making a lot of sense, but if you stop and listen to it, you'll see that a lot of this is people sitting around making clay pictures and being accused of being witches. So now we have the confession of Allison Device, the granddaughter of Demdike, and this is from the 30th of March, 1612, as recorded by Thomas Potts in A Discovery of Witches, 1613. The said Allison Device saith, 
that about two years ago her grandmother, called Elizabeth Southerns, alias Old Dimdike, did sundry times in going or walking together as they went begging persuade and advise her to let a devil or a familiar appear to her, and that she would let him suck at some part of her, and she might have and do what she would. And not so long after these persuasions, she began walking towards the roughly in a close one, a close of one John Robinson's, there appeared unto her a thing like unto a black dog, speaking unto her and desiring her to give him her soul, and he would give her power to do anything she would. Whereupon, she being therewith thal enticed and setting her down, the said black dog did with his mouth, as she then thought, suck at her breast, a little below her paps, which place did remain blue half a year next after, which said black dog did not appear to her until the eighteenth day of March last, at which time she met with a peddler on the highway called Clonefield, near unto Colne, and she demanded of the said peddler to buy some pins of him, but the said peddler sturdily answered her that he would not lose his pack, and so she parting with him, presently there appeared to her the black dog, which appeared unto her as before, which black dog spoke unto her in English, saying, What wouldst thou have me to do unto yonder man? To whom this, she said, What canst thou do to him? And the dog answered again, I can lame him. Whereupon she answered and said to the black dog, Lame him. And before the peddler was gone forty roods, about three hundred yards further, he fell down lame. And she then went after the said peddler, and in a house about the distance aforesaid, he was lying lame. And so she went begging and trod in forest that day, and came home at night. And about five days next after, the said black dog did appear to her, as she was going a-begging in a close near new church in Pendle, and spoke again to her, saying, stay and speak with me but this she would not since which time she never saw him and she further saith that one john nutter of the bullhole in pindle had a cow which was sick and requested her grandmother demdike to amend the said cow and her said grandmother said she would and so her said grandmother about ten of the clock in the night desired her to lead her forth which this she did because her grandmother being blind. And her grandmother did remain about half an hour forth, and her sister, Janet, did fetch her in again. But what she did when she was so forth, she cannot tell. But the next morning she heard that the said cow was dead, and she verily thinketh that her said grandmother did bewitch the said cow to death. And further she saith that about two years ago, she having gotten a piggin full of blue milk by begging, brought it into the house of her grandmother, where she, Alison Device, going forth presently and staying about half an hour, there was butter to the quantity of a quart of a pound, and in the said milk, and the quantity of the said milk still remaining. And her grandmother had no butter in the house when she went forth, during which time her grandmother still lay in her bed. And further she saith that Richard Baldwin of Wheathead, within the forest of Bendel, about two years ago, fell out with her grandmother, and so would not let her come upon his land. And about four or five days then next after, he said, Grandmother, 
did request her to lead her forth about ten of the clock in the night, which she accordingly did, and she stayed forth then about an hour, and her sister Janet fetched her in again. And she heard the next morning that a woman child of the said Richard Baldwin was fallen sick. And as she did then hear, the said child did languish afterwards by the space of a year, or thereabouts, and then died. And she verily thinketh that her said grandmother did bewitch the said child to death. And further she saith, that she heard her said grandmother say presently, after her falling out with the said Baldwin, she would pray for the said Baldwin, both still and loud, and she heard her curse the said Baldwin sundry times. Alison Devise saith, that about eleven years ago, she and her mother had her fire, had their firehouse broken, and all or the most part of their linen clothes and half a peck of cut oatmeal and a quantity of meal gone, all which was worth twenty shillings or above. And upon a Sunday, then next after, she did take a band and a coif, or scarf, parcel of the goods aforesaid upon the daughter of Anne Whittle, or Chaddix, and claimed them to be parcel of the goods stolen as for, aforesaid. She further saith that her father called John Device, being afraid that she that the said Anne Chaddix should do him or his goods any hurt by witchcraft, did covenant with the said Anne that if she would hurt neither of them, she should yearly have one egg and dole of oatmeal, which meal was yearly paid until the year which her father died in, which is about eleven years since. Her father upon his then deathbed, taking it that the said Anne Whittle, Chaddix, did bewitch him to death, because the said mill was not paid the last year. And she also saith that about two years ago, she being in the house of Anthony Nutter of Pendle, and being then in company with Anne Nutter, daughter of the said Anthony, the said Anne Whittle, alias Chaddix, came into the said Anthony Nutter's house, and seeing her, and the said Anne Nutter laughing, and saying that they laughed at her, the said Chaddix, well said then, saith Anne Chaddix, I will be meet with the one of you. And upon the next day after, she, the said Anne Nutter, fell sick, and within three weeks died. And further she saith that about two years ago she had heard that the said Anne Whittle, alias Chaddix, was suspected for bewitching the drink of John Moore of Hyam. And not long after, she heard the said Chaddix say that she would meet with the said John Moore or his. Whereupon a child of the said John Moores, called John also, fell sick, and languished about half a year, and then died, during which languishing she saw the said Chaddix sitting in her own garden, and a picture of clay, like unto a child, in her apron, which she spying, the said Anne Chaddix, would have hid with her apron, and she declaring the same to her mother, Elizabeth Device, her mother thought it was the picture of the said John Moore's child." And she further saith that about six or seven years ago the said Chaddix did fall out with one Hugh Moore of Pendle, about certain cattle of the said Moors, which the said Moor did charge the said Chaddix to have bewitched, for which the said Chaddix did curse and worry the said Moor, and said she would be revenged of the said Moor. Whereupon the said Moor presently fell sick and languished about half a year, and then died." which more upon his deathbed said that the said Chaddix had bewitched him to death. I'm liking this bewitching people to death. I'd rather just bewitch people to my bed. That would be more fun. Okay. 
Keeping on with this. And she further saith that about six years hence, a daughter of the said Anne Chaddix, called Elizabeth also, having been at the house of John Nutter of the Bullhole, to beg or get a dish full of milk, which she had and brought to her mother, who was about a field's breadth of the said Nutter's house, which her said mother Anne Chaddix took and put into a can, and did charm the same with two sticks across in the same field, whereupon the said John Nutter's son came on to her, the said Chaddix, and misliking her doings, put the said can and milk over with his foot, and the morning next after a cow of the said John Nutter's fell sick, and so languished three or four days, and then died." Are you guys seeing a pattern here? There's a lot of, you know, chitter-chatter, a lot of things going on. And none of it seems to be really anything of any, you know, recompense. But it's all witchcraft, anyways. All right. Lastly, we have the confession of James Device, son of Elizabeth and grandson of Demdike. And this was from April the 27th, 1612, as recorded by Thomas Potts in Discovery of Witches, 1613. And this is our last confession, by the way. He saith that upon sheer, Maundy, Thursday, was two years his grandmother Elizabeth Southerns, alias Demdike, did bid him to go to the church to receive the communion the next day after being Good Friday, and then not to eat the bread the minister gave him, but to bring it and deliver it to such a thing as should meet him in his way homewards. Notwithstanding her persuasions, he did eat the bread, and so in his coming homeward some forty roads, or thirty yards, or three hundred yards, off the said church, there met he, and asked him whether he had brought the bread that his grandmother had bidden him or not. Whereupon he answered, He had not, and thereupon the said thing threatened to pull him in pieces, and so he thereupon marked himself to God, and so the said thing vanished out of his sight." And within some four days after that, there appeared in his sight, hard by the new church in Pendle, a thing like unto a brown dog, who asked him to give him his soul, and he should be revenged of any whom he would, whereunto he answered that his soul was not his to give, but was his Savior Jesus Christ's, but as much as was in him to give, he was contented he should have it. And within two or three days after, he went to the car hall, and upon some speeches betwixt Mistress Townley and he, she charging him and his said mother, Elizabeth Device, to have stolen some turves of hers, bade him pack the doors, and withal, as he went forth of the door, the said Mistress Townley gave him a knock between the shoulders. And about a day or two after that, there appeared unto him in his way a thing like unto a black dog, who put him in mind of the said Mistress Townley's falling out with him, who bade him make a picture of clay, like unto the said Mistress Townley, and that he, with the help of his spirit, who then ever after bid him to call it, call it Dandy, would kill or destroy the said Mistress Townley, and so the said dog vanished out of his sight." And the next morning after, he took clay, and made a picture of the said Mistress Townley, and dried it the same night by the fire. And with a day, within a day after, he began to crumble the said picture, every day some, for the space of a week. And within two days after all was crumbled away, the said Mistress Townley died. And he further saith that in Lent last one, John Duckworth of the Lond promised him an old shirt. And within a fortnight after, he went to the said Duckworth's house and demanded the said old shirt. But the said Duckworth denied him thereof. 
And going out of the said house, the said spirit dandy appeared unto him, and said, Thou didst touch the said Ducksworth, whereunto he answered, He did not touch him. Yes, said the spirit again, Thou didst touch him, and therefore I have power of him. Whereupon he joined with the said spirit, and then wished the said spirit to kill the said Duckworth, and within one week the next after Duckworth died. The said James Device saith that about a month ago, as he was coming towards his mother's house, and at daygate, dawn, of the same night he met a brown dog coming from his grandmother's house about ten roads, or eighty yards, distant from the same house. And about two or three nights after, that he heard a voice of a great number of children shrieking and crying pitifully about daylight gate, and likewise about ten roads distant of his said grandmother's house. And about five nights then next following, presently after daylight, within twenty roods, about 150 yards, of the said Elizabeth Southern's house, he heard a foul yelling like unto a great number of cats. But what they were he cannot tell. And he further saith that about three nights after that, about midnight of the same, there came a thing, and lay upon him very heavily about an hour, and went then from him out of his chamber window, colored, black, and about the bigness of a hare or cat. And he further saith that about St. Peter's Day last, when Henry Bullock came to the this said Elizabeth Southern's house and said that her grandchild Allison Device had bewitched a child of his and desired her that she would go with him to his house, which accordingly she did. And thereupon she, the said Allison, fell down on her knees and asked the said Bullock forgiveness and confessed to him that she had bewitched the said child as he heard his said sister confess unto him. And further saith that twelve years ago, the said Anne Chaddix, at a burial at New Church in Pendle, did take three scalps, or skulls of people, which had been buried and then cast out of a grave, as she, the said Chaddix, told him, and took eight teeth out of the said scalps, whereof she kept four to herself, and gave other four to the said Demdike, his grandmother, which four teeth now showed to him are the four teeth that she that the said Chaddix gave to his said grandmother as aforesaid. The said James Device saith upon his oath that he heard his grandmother say about a year ago that his mother called Elizabeth Device and his grandmother and the wife of Richard Nutter, Alice Nutter, of the Ruffley aforesaid had killed one Henry Mitten of the Ruffley aforeseed, aforesaid by witchcraft. The reason wherefore he was so killed was for that his said grandmother had asked the said Mitten a penny, and he denying her thereof, thereupon she procured his death as aforesaid. So you know what, if people are begging and they ask you for a penny, give them that, because you might be killed by witchcraft. Anyways. And he, James Device, also saith that about three years ago, he being in his grandmother's house with his said mother Elizabeth, there came a thing in shape of a brown dog, which his mother called Ball, who spake to his mother in the sight and hearing of him, and bade her make a picture of clay like unto John Robinson, alias Sawyer, and dried it hard, and then crumble it by little and little. And as the said picture should crumble or mull away, so should the said John Robinson, alias Sawyer, his body declay and wear away. And within two or three days after the picture shall so all be wasted and mulled away, so then the said John Robinson should die presently. 
upon the agreement betwixt the said dog and his mother, the said dog suddenly vanished out of his sight. And the next day he saw his said mother take clay at the west end of her said house, and make a picture of it after the said Robinson, and brought into her house and dried it in some two days. And about two days after the drying thereof, his said mother fell on crumbling the said picture of clay every day some, for some three weeks together, and within two days after all was crumbled or mulled away, the said John Robinson died. James Device, upon his oath, saith that about two years ago he saw three pictures of clay of half a yard long at the end of Redfern's house, which Redfern had one of the pictures in his hand, Marie his daughter had another in her hand, and the said Redfern's wife, Anne Redfern the witch, now prisoner at Lancaster, had another picture in her hand. Which picture she, the said Redfern's wife, was then crumbling, but whose picture they were he could not tell. And at his returning back again, some ten roods off them, there appeared unto him a thing like a hare which spit fire at him. And being examined, James Device further saith that upon sheer Thursday last, in the evening he stole a wether, or sheep, from John Robinson of Barley, and brought it to his grandmother's house, old Dimdike, and there killed it. And that upon the day following, being Good Friday, about twelve of the clock in the daytime, there dined in his mother's house a number of persons, whereof three were men and the rest women, and that they met there for three causes as follows. One, the first was for the naming of the spirit which Alison Device, now prisoner at Lancaster, had, but did not name him because she was not there. Two, the second cause was for the delivery of, of his said grandmother, his said sister Allison, the said Anne Chaddox, and her daughter Redfern, killing the goler at Lancaster, and before the next court to blow up the castle there, to the end the aforesaid persons might might by they means make an escape and get away, all which he then heard them confer of. And the third cause was for that there was a woman dwelling in Ginsburn Parish who came into his said grandmother's house, who there came and craved assistance of the rest of them that were then there for the killing of Master Lister of Westby, because, as she then said, he had borne malice unto her and had thought to have put her away at the last court at York, but could not. And he heard the said woman say that her power was not strong enough to do it herself, being now less than before time it had been. And also that the said Janet Preston had a spirit with her like unto a white foal with a black spot in the forehead. And he also saith that the names of the said witches as were on Good Friday at his said grandmother's house and now his own mother's, for so many of them as he did know, were these. The wife of Hugh Hargreaves of Barley the wife of Christopher Bullcock of the Moss End, and John, her son, the mother of Miles Nutter, Elizabeth, the wife of Christopher Hargreaves of Thurnanholm, Christopher Howgate, and Elizabeth, his wife, Alice Gray of Colne, and one Moldhill's wife, of the same, and him, and his mother. And he also saith that there they were witches, and that the names of the said witches that were there, for so many of them as he did know, were amongst others Catherine Hewitt, wife of John Hewitt, alias Moldhills, of Colne, in the county of Lancaster Clothier, and that the said witch Catherine Hewitt, alias Moldhills, and one Alice Gray, did confess amongst the said witches at their meeting at Malkin Tower aforesaid that they had killed Fold's wife's child called Anne Folds of Colne, and also said that they had then in Hank a child of Michael Hartley's of Colne. 
And further he saith that the said John Bullcock and Jane, his said mother, did confess upon Good Friday last at the, the said Malkin Tower, in the hearing of him that they had bewitched at the new field edge of Yorkshire a woman called Janet, wife of John Dine, besides her reason, and the said woman's name so bewitched he did not hear them speak of. And he also saith that the names of the said witches are as were on Good Friday at his said grandmother's house, and now his own mother's, for so many of them as he did know, were these. The wife of Hugh Hargraves of Barley, the wife of Christopher Bullcock of the Moss End, and John her son, the mother of Miles Nutter, Elizabeth, the wife of Christopher Hargreaves of Turnenholm, Christopher Howgate and Elizabeth his wife, Alice Gray of Colm, and one Moldhill's wife, of the same, and himself and his mother. And James Device further saith that all the said witches went out of the said house in their own shapes and likenesses, and they all by that they were forth of the doors were gotten on horseback, like unto foals, some of one color, some of another, and... Preston's wife was the last, and when she got on horseback, they all presently vanished out of his sight. And before their said parting away, they all appointed to meet at the said Preston wife's house that day twelve months, at which time the said Preston's wife promised to make them a great feast. And if they had occasion to meet in the meantime, they should warning be given that they all should meet upon Romley's moor. With that, Hearing these words coming down through the centuries, you have to imagine just how these confessions were gotten. They were through torture, food deprivation, sleep deprivation, illness, unlimited horror, and deep fear. All these people really wanted was to get back to their lives, and truthfully, they would say anything to make that happen. So I beg of you, take a moment, close your eyes, and imagine yourself walking in these shoes. At the end of your rope physically, mentally, and even spiritually, family members turning on each other in hopes of making it out alive. And this is the mood that we set for our Salem trials. And with that, my darlings, we've come to the end of the episode. And I do thank you for joining me today. I hope that you'll take some time to reach out to me and share your thoughts on what you think. As always, you can reach the show at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com. And if you have suggestions for any future shows or you just want to tell me what you think, drop me a line. I do reply to all emails. And on that note, that's all the time that we have today. Thank you so much for joining me here on Renegade Talk Radio, and don't forget to tune in next time. See you, my heathens, and remember, let the witches of our past shine in the light of our future. Love you, my darlings. See you next time. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.